Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule of quarantine shenanigans to listen to the first episode of Historic Body Modifications, a discussion from the Paleolithic to today. My name is Shelby Soares, and I will be your guide. Six months ago, none of us could have imagined that we would be quarantined to our houses, unable to go out into public, or to enjoy the company of others. There have been countless changes that we have all had to adapt to. Everything from doing schoolwork and regular work online to becoming the caregivers for our elders and the annoyances of our independent feline counterparts. Just as our everyday life has changed, so has this project. Prior to this pandemic, I was a senior in my undergraduate studies at Birmingham Southern College, but today I'm not entirely sure where I fall. I have not yet finished my courses for my undergraduate studies, but I'm only two weeks away from beginning my law school classes, which, thanks to lovely Miss Corona, will also be online. I've spent the past four years immersing myself in the studies of philosophy, history, Asian studies, art, and countless other liberal arts materials. All the time, I've been planning my Harrison Honors project. This project was meant to be an independent study outside of my major that focused on an area that I had a passion for. My original inspiration for my honors project came before I was even officially enrolled at Birmingham Southern. My senior year of high school, I saw a video on Facebook about a woman in a village in Northeast India who specialized in an ancient form of tattooing. She used a thorn that had been dipped in a charcoal-based pigment and tied to the end of a straight stick that was then tapped like a tiny hammer to lightly pierce the surface of the skin, leaving the pigment in the flesh to create an artwork on the body. This woman is special because she was not only the last tattoo artist in her village, but she was also the last woman in her community to have the traditional markings of her tribe tattooed onto her face. These tattoos were characteristics of her tribe and reflected her identity as a member of it. They were largely geometric patterns with straight lines and triangles and other shapes, and she had even and she even had large gauges in the flesh of her nostrils. These markings, while traditional to her, were foreign to me. As a somewhat rebellious young person, I was just as interested in the tattoos themselves as I was in the reason for the woman having these markings on her face, and that interest has lingered with me even until today. Over the course of my involvement in the Harrison Honors Program, I had the opportunity to take several classes where I learned about the social and philosophical traditions of other cultures, but none impacted me as greatly as the sexual ethics and religion course that I had with Dr. Amy Cottrell. In this class, we had the opportunity to look at not only the religious traditions of several countries, but we also looked at how those traditions influenced their respective sexual ethics. The term sexual ethics may seem daunting, but it is something that we deal with on a daily basis. As a woman, anytime you think about your place in the world, you are thinking about sexual ethics. As a man, anytime you think about something you cannot say because of how it might be perceived, you are thinking about sexual ethics. Anytime you think about how people of different nationalities, cultures, religions, or colors 
have different experiences of sexuality, you are thinking about sexual ethics. It's just a fancy term that we use to encapsulate the experiences of sexuality and ethics and how they are influenced by different social structures. But even with learning about genital mutilation in Africa and the practices of male circumcision in the Jewish tradition, I still did not have an answer for what I had witnessed in the video on Indian tattooing. Originally, my main interest was a combination of the fields of tattooing and sexual ethics. I thought about how genital mutilation that I had learned about in Dr. Cottrell's class was a form of limiting sexuality, and whether it's ethical to manipulate another person's body for the advancement of an agenda. I thought that almost everyone would agree that you have no right to change someone else's body for your own betterment, but I realized that the question is so much more complex than that. Who am I to say what someone on the other side of the world can or cannot do with relation to sexuality when they experience an entirely different set of circumstances than I could ever imagine? All these thoughts played into the development of my original honors project. Prior to the coronavirus pandemic, I had completed months of research about tattoos, piercings, sexual ethics, and how the three intertwined. I learned about the oldest set of tattoos that had ever been found, which belonged to Otzi the Iceman, found in Iceland, of course, dating back to 3400 BCE. His tattoos were typically small, they looked almost like tally marks, and they were located on different parts of his body. His ankle, his knee, his lower thigh, his upper left forearm. These tattoos were to believe were believed to have served a medicinal purpose, as they were mostly located on the sites of previous injuries. I also learned about a vast collection of artifacts that predated Otzi the Iceman, but are suggested to provide a history of body modifications that go all the way back to the Paleolithic era. These batons, as they are called, resemble the shape of a phallus that have ornate markings on the surface and even punctures that seem to depict piercings. These objects are significant because the only form of art that was present during the Paleolithic era depicts the reality that its creators existed within. There was not a sense of aesthetics at that time, and these batons were crafted in a way that archaeologists assume reflect as a glimpse into the practices of these people that created them. Meaning, it is possible that general ornamentation dates all the way back to the Paleolithic era. I'd created a full PowerPoint presentation with roughly 30 slides of photos of historic evidence along with the beginning of a 20-page research paper that reviewed all of these same materials, which I was excited to present to my peers and professors at the end of this spring semester. Fast forward to nearly two months later, and everything has changed dramatically. Everything from our day-to-day -day life to this honors project. With the school closures and quarantines that have been implemented across the country, I was forced to move home about five and a half hours away from campus, and I've been left without access to any libraries and the respective sources that are required to finish this project. What I originally planned to be a discussion of tattoos and piercings and how they affect and are affected by the sexuality of their wearers 
has changed into a discussion of tattoos and their meanings. Since coming to the realization that my original project was not feasible, I turned my focus away from the historic and have begun to look at the current status of tattoos in our ever-changing climate. With everything changing so drastically, I honestly was not even sure where to begin. I'm sure many of you know that feeling all too well these days. Dr. Cottrell suggested that I come up with a list of questions to ask people who have tattoos and piercings to figure out why they made the decision to get them. From my research, I knew the reasons that certain villages in India tattooed certain people, but I had not thought much about why people in my own community did or did not get tattoos. I came up with a list of questions for people who have tattoos and piercings, a different list for those who do not, and finally a list of questions for artists. My questions for tattoo artists range from why they think people get tattoos and piercings and other modifications to how they would characterize the tattoos that they do. Do they think of it as an art form, as you know, an artist creating a painting on a canvas, it's just they use a different medium? Um, did they think that tattoos were beautiful or intricate or meaningful, or did they just think that it was something fun to do? And why did they decide why did they decide to start tattooing? My questions for a person that has tattoo. Why did they get them in the first place? Do their tattoos have any significant meaning to them? What do their tattoos or piercings mean? And do they feel like they're judged based off of their modifications? A lot of the time our appearance is the first thing that somebody sees and they make their own assumptions based off of appearance alone. And do they think that these tattoos that they have have changed their life in any significant way? My questions for people that didn't have tattoos were simply why they think people get them. And what do they think of people that have tattoos? What are these assumptions that they make based off of appearance alone? And as somebody who does not currently have a tattoo, would they ever consider getting one in the future and why? What would make them want to put something on their body that's permanent. Because I come from a family that is largely opposed to tattoos and excessive piercings, I decided to start there. I started with my mother, who a few years ago actually agreed to get a matching tattoo with me. And I wondered why she made that decision when she had been opposed to tattoos for practically my entire life. I asked my parents why both of them were opposed to tattoos and why my mom made the decision to get her first tattoo at 46 years old. My mom's reasoning for not liking tattoos was as simple as she had never seen a quote, good tattoo. She grew up in the 1980s and most of the tattoos that she had seen in her life were older military style tattoos with the same basic insignia of flags and of course naked women. And it's just not something that she found very appealing. She did say that there was one tattoo that really stood out to her in her adolescence that she truly thought was beautiful. It was her sister's ex-husband's tattoo that while it was still military and that it was a depiction of a bald eagle surrounded by a flapping American flag, she thought that it was a piece of art rather than a tattoo on a body. She looked at it as a beautiful image. 
she only decided to get a tattoo when she did because she found a beautiful significance in the meaning behind the design that she settled on. Not so much that the image itself was beautiful, like the image of a bald eagle with a flag, but the meaning behind the image that she settled on was beautiful in itself. And that meaning was significant enough for her to make the decision to put it on her body permanently. My dad, on the other hand, has not always been opposed to tattoos. He actually wanted a tattoo when my parents were younger, but in order to stay in my mom's well wishes, he decided to honor her and not get a tattoo. So it wasn't necessarily that he thought they were bad. He just didn't want to anger his young wife. (laughs) The only reason he doesn't like tattoos now is because he thinks they are unprofessional. He doesn't think that tattoos necessarily have an effect on anyone's ability to do a good job. He just understands that with working in an industry that is directly involved with the public on a daily basis, as his job is, your professionalism is largely determined by the people you are servicing. So if you have a tattoo on your face and you are serving someone that does not personally agree with tattoos, then that is going to have an impact on the service that you're able to give that person. After getting responses from my parents' generation, I decided to look towards my peers to see how opinions of body modifications had changed over just one generation. While I asked people both with and without tattoos their opinions of body modifications, the general responses I got were pretty uniform. The general consensus of my peers is that tattoos are intended to be a form of artwork that express the personality of their wearers in a more tangible way. So if you're a person that truly values comedy and that's something that you find within yourself, then that may be something that you put on your body. You might have a pun tattooed on your arm because you think that you're a funny person. Or if you're a person that values your family, you may have a tattoo that encapsulates your family. Something like that. It's a representation of yourself in a more tangible way. Several people who have tattoos said that their tattoos have a significant meaning to them. They either serve as a reminder from an important point in their lives, or they honor a person or place that they hold near and dear to their heart. That's something that I personally have seen a lot is memorial tattoos. Um, It could be a memorial to somebody who's still living or somebody who has passed, and even something as simple as their name or a phrase that reminds you of them, or an animal that reminds you of them. I myself even have an animal tattoo that reminds me of my mom. That's something that's common. People want to have something on their body that they identify with. One person even told me that some of the most significant conversations in his life began with comments on his tattoos. This person may not be who you expect. He's not a cashier that's interacting with the public every day and has several opportunities for people to see his tattoos and comment on them. He's also not a white-collar professional that landed some big client because of a conversation that was spurred by his tattoos. He's actually an elementary school teacher. He met the man that became his boss at a gathering outside of the school. 
and the principal commented on his tattoos, which led to a discussion of professionalism, and that conversation turned into a job offer. This is a person with visible tattoos that is working to educate our youth. His students even like to pick on him and say that he's not cool enough to have tattoos because he's a teacher. But this is a person that's interacting with our young people every day. And these young people are seeing that even though he has body modifications, and even though those body modifications are visible to the naked eye, he is still able to do his job and do it well. Those modifications that he made the decision himself to get do not have an impact on his ability to do his job. I think that this serves as a great example that tattoos do not determine somebody's work ethic or their value. It was interesting to see that while my peers place a value in having tattoos and the idea of potentially getting them in their future, my parents' and grandparents' view of them is more of a hindrance. Even though my mom has a tattoo, it isn't necessarily easily visible. It's on her wrist where it can be covered by a watch because she knows in a professional setting it may not be received the right way. My grandmother even made a point to tell my mother that when she got her first tattoo at 46 years old, it was a mistake because it, quote, defiled her body. This is a woman who has grown children and made the decision for herself to put something on her body that she found significant. And her mother was the person that told her it was a mistake. Her mother is the one that told her what she should and should not have done with her body. Keeping in mind that my grandmother has her ears pierced. While you may not think of an ear piercing as significant a body modification as a tattoo, it is still a form of a body modification. And while the opinions that I received varied a great deal based on the generation of the responder, no one that I spoke to ever expressed the idea that a tattoo or a piercing could be intentionally used for a negative purpose. It was always that the intention of the modification was positive, but there was possible negative repercussions. So yes, you may think that it's a great idea to get a tattoo, but you don't know what the impact of that tattoo is going to be until you see how it is received by other people. Because yes, it is your body, and I believe that yes, it is your right, but you don't really know how other people are going to receive it, and who knows, 20 years down the road, you may decide to change it, but that's your decision to make. This distinction was important to me because my original resource, research that this distinction was important to me because in my original research, the tattoos that I focused on served as a limitation of women's sexuality. Their faces were tattooed and scarred for the purpose of limiting their sexuality. These women weren't necessarily freely making the decision to get these tattoos as they were in their late adolescence when these tattoos were done, but it was an impact that was meant to last for the rest of their life. These women were being tattooed specifically on the face to make them ugly to other people, to the rival tribes, so that they would not be abducted. 
while yes, the tattoos served as a representation of the tribe that they belonged to, I think the implication of them being ugly to other people is the more important takeaway here. While our, while our experience of tattoos in America is a far cry from a limitation of our own sexuality, it is still a reality that exists to this day in different cultures around the world. There are still people that are having modifications done to their bodies that have some end goal. There is some agenda that they are playing into. The purpose of my original project was to look at the intention of tattoos in India specifically and how it negatively impacts the sexuality of their respective wearers. What I found through my interviews is that the opinions of body modifications are undoubtedly culturally influenced. While the woman that I spoke about from the video earlier thought that her facial tattoos were beautiful and her nose gauging was beautiful, her daughter and her granddaughter did not share the same views. They grew up in a world that said, you don't have to allow this to happen. While the grandmother, the woman with the facial tattoos, grew up in a world that said, in order to belong to your tribe, you have to do this to be considered beautiful here. And her daughter and her granddaughter realized that that reality is not their own. What we view as a beautification of our bodies and a way to express ourselves outwardly could be viewed as a sexual deterrent in other cultures. I think that time plays a key role in the acceptance of many social activities, body modifications included. This can be seen in that my grandparents completely disagree with tattoos. They even disagree of the ones that I've decided to get for myself. My parents tolerate them but my friends embrace and encourage them wholeheartedly. It's really interesting to see how culture, not only differing cultures from different areas of the globe, but culture differing over time plays such a key role into the decisions that we make for ourselves and the decisions that influence our own sexualities. While I hate that my honors project did not go as planned, I feel that I've still learned a great deal. I realize now that the same trends that I was researching in India can be seen reflected in the opinions of generations in our own community. What we may look down upon and detest, another group may look to as admiration. I think it's safe to say that culture has an undeniable influence on the acceptance, or lack thereof, of body modifications and specific traditions. That brings me to the conclusion of this podcast on tattoos and piercings and body modifications in general. I want to say a special thank you to Dr. Amy Cottrell for advising me on this project and Dr. Tatter for his continued support in this ever-changing endeavor. I also want to say thank you to my parents and grandparents, as well as Claire Lassar, Troy and Caroline Adams, and Doug Leith for their responses to my questions, and all of my friends and family that have supported my research.